This is Michael Volkoff. This is episode 158 of Corruption Crime Compliance. And our episode today is about improving corporate board governance and board performance. Well, welcome to everyone. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. Again, a tough time. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully things are going to try to start to improve. Uh, over the next few months, uh, and that work is uh, consistent for everybody, and uh, we'll get through this uh, all together. Um, I wanted to do this uh, podcast for a while. This is sort of just a reflection. I try to take a reflection period every year for looking at sort of corporate board governance, uh, some trends in that area. Um, and uh, before we get into it, let me uh, start with an ad from our corporate sponsor, that being uh, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding and how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, I thought it's been a year since, uh, almost a year, that the Business Roundtable uh, put out a restatement of corporate purpose, uh, you know, signed by 181 bigwigs in the, in the whole business community indicating a greater focus, I think, on ethics, uh, principles, uh, and corporate purposes, um, reflecting, I think, what has been a a strong sort of expansion or re-examination of uh, corporate purposes and ethics and culture. What I think, uh, you know, sad to say, uh, you know, a year later, not much has happened, uh, but in some respects, we can you know, excuse part of this in the sense of uh, the COVID-19 crisis management, the business disruption, the social uh, disruptions uh, that have occurred lately, uh, and the economic town downturn. Um, but I uh, still 
wouldn't give them a free pass all the way because I haven't seen much change of anything uh, coming from anyone uh, and much less uh, any of the major leaders and signatories to the uh, restatement of purpose. And um, not to be cynical, but I was when it first came out and uh, said, look, time will tell if they can produce something and sort of start to turn the ship on focusing greater on ethics uh, and broader, let's say, corporate purposes. Not to say that they have to embrace social, social justice or, so, or political issues, but there is some element of that that it gets incorporated naturally because you know companies are made up of employees who uh, exist in this society and there are big uh, concerns that come up. So, but let's turn to a little bit more on corporate board performance and accountability because we're continuing to see, and it's perhaps one of my pet peeve issues, we continue to see insulation, uh, we continue to see you know, legal doctrines that protect uh, corporations from accountability, corporate boards, and uh, that is just something that's going to result in greater misconduct or continued misconduct rates uh, and scandals. And we see scandal after scandal, and yet we don't see much in the way of change. So uh, I've written a lot about the problem of corporate board performance, and like I said, all we witness corporate corruption, scandals, failures to deal with real and significant issues uh, that cause harm to stakeholders, employees, communities, and the public. Uh, in many cases, the corporate board uh, bears some degree of responsibility, in some cases, direct responsibility. And the degree of responsibility can range from the direct involvement or knowledge or condoning or implementation of the misconduct all the way to failures to exercise proper oversight and intervention in the face of known risks of misconduct. So uh, I have been a strong advocate that the role and operation of corporate boards should be reformed. There is no question the current system is anachronistic and a significant obstacle and sometimes contributor to corporate uh, performance. Uh, and it's most cases is a significant contributor to corporate malfeasance. Uh, and the current system has evolved over the years with favorable corporate laws and regulations designed to protect members from accountability with the support of these legal doctrines and, and legal advisors, uh, they have basically created defensive, insulated boards, uh, and uh, these boards are excused from exercising real responsibility. So it's a defensive approach to board governance and performance that has evolved. Now, there are some cracks in the system that may increase with time and lead to more change. Social justice and other political movements obviously impact corporations and board membership. Corporate accountability in general is increasing with the boards, uh, and they cannot escape scrutiny. Um, corporate boards can no longer represent resting places for business executives at the end of their respective careers. Shareholders and other stakeholders have to demand reforms that bring corporate boards up to a modern age where board members engage management in promoting strategic directions, ensure that compensation issues for senior management are appropriately handled, assure that uh, ensure that board committees are staffed appropriately and carried out assigned responsibilities, and the board conducts a robust self-evaluation process. 
Now, corporate board performance, uh, and particularly crisis management, is under the microscope right now during the COVID-19 crisis. And in the face of these risks and consequences, corporate boards have to navigate these difficult times with crisis management and serious risks. I mean, boards are adept in identifying situations when they need to protect themselves from corporate scandals. Uh, you know, they often then, you know, retain counsel and at the board level, and then they rely upon all of their sort of uh, doctrines that allow them to, to continue. Shareholder derivative suits, though, are increasing with accuracy and, in and identifying deficiencies in corporate board performance. Uh, Delaware case law is slowly evolving. Shareholders, employees, and stakeholders are joining to increase pressure on board members. This will continue, and I think the pressure will increase, and ultimately we'll see a more significant change. One basic reform that I've uh, always advocated for and should be uh, a broad prohibition is the prohibition on CEO dual roles as chairperson and CEO uh, at the same time. A company benefits from diverse perspectives and viewpoints, and a CEO who also sits as chairperson of the board increases risks that the CV CEO's view will dominate board activity and diminish oversight capabilities. Board level skills are often narrow these days with a hyper focus on finance issues. That's what they like to talk about. That's who they like to have on uh, the board. While such a skill is obviously important, the singular focus on this financial experience narrowly skews board performance and ignores other backgrounds that are needed in entrepreneurship, compliance, cybersecurity, technology, human capital, and other issues. And one other significant trend is increasing board focus on environmental sustainability and governance issues, the ESG uh, factor. Companies are increasing time devoted to these issues, which is a welcome development, but such a focus has to include uh, ethics and compliance programs and issues. While there's social and political pressure to improve corporate board performance, such reform efforts will likely increase as corporate corruption and scandals continue to increase uh, and or the U.S. economy deteriorates where uh, some political or congressional uh, legislation may be uh, required to respond. So let's turn to one of uh, the one of the issues that I like to focus on uh, in this area, which is corporate diversity. And corporate board diversity is still a slow train moving. It, in, it basically continues to increase slowly, and I mean slowly. It's embarrassing for United States companies that corporate boards are so far behind their foreign counterparts. Uh, California has imposed now a minimal requirement that every public company must reserve at least one board seat for a female director. Norway, Spain, France, and Iceland have legal requirements that women comprise at least 40% of the boards at public companies. Between 2017 and 2019, the number of women on Russell 3000 boards, uh, that's the top 3000 companies, public companies, rose from 15 to just 19%. Most of the increase was from women serving on boards of mid and large cap companies rather than small or mega cap ones. While the scholarship on board diversity benefits, you know, in terms of improved financial performance has been mixed, uh, at least from my viewpoint, uh, I, I tend to see that it uh, improves corporate performance, reduces rates of misconduct, and uh, embraces and are 
boards that are more ready to embrace uh, social justice and political pressure, political issues. Uh, Corporate board diversity is going to increase and the pressure on companies to increase diversity is going to to just uh, continue to grow. The news is not as all negative. Uh, in 2019, for example, 45% of new board members were female, and that's a good sign, but there's still sort of an entrenched uh, class uh, where uh, females are not adequately represented on the boards. Uh, in the absence of COVID-19 and the current economic disruption, I would like to see this number uh, increase. And then with respect to ethnic and racial diversity, the number of new directors who are non-Caucasian is only approximately 15%. That is low. And board diversity is critical. Social and professional diversity are also important. Gender, race, and age diversity and professional diversity expand the range and perspective of ideas, responsibilities, and creativity. From the current data, corporate boards are risking the perception that board seats are being filled with a focus on tokenism. In conducting searches for new board members, corporate boards have to avoid a singular focus on a candidate's race or gender and include a broad focus on that factor along with other professional skills that would be positive for the board. In other words, diversity needs to be defined to include various factors that can evidence board diversity. Boards should also uh, consider expanding consideration of professional backgrounds, thereby increasing the strengths of the board to apply expertise in other subject areas. Many times board members just fill vacancies by a limiting question, who do we know that may be interested? Such a constrained view will only result in a narrow self-fulfilling mechanism to maintain the status quo. And board members have to take a holistic view of membership focus on ethnicity and gender, along with professional, uh, professional skill sets, and uh, adding board members with expertise, for example, in compliance, information services, technology, and important other economic trends would be an important strategic turn for the better. Uh, it's better, look, diversity also extends to encouraging those different perspectives, voices and contrasting insights into co corporate issues. Uh, they may want to solicit input from non-traditional sources outside of the CEO, including other senior managers and even relevant managers. Corporate boards should not just hear from the CEO and the CFO every board meeting and consider that, hey, I'm hearing from management. Uh, there's a need for boards to reach out to other senior managers and bring them to the board and spend the time to talk to them and listen to them. A collegial board culture is likely to improve performance by promoting open discussion and consideration of ideas. And like I said, too many board meetings are dominated by a CEO and one or two board members. And it's important to increase participation and discussion to make the board dynamic more effective. So let's talk a little bit about the decision-making process and some of the challenges that we have right now. In particular, we have challenges because of the disruption from the pandemic, the slowing global economy. Uh, and for the next 12 months, we're going to see directors and boards focusing on that issue in particular. But there are other significant risks. For example, three out of five directors have identified cybersecurity as a significant risk along with the current crisis climate. 
the impact from a cyber event is significant and can cause serious financial and reputational harm. And board members still recognize this in the current pandemic uh, crisis. Um, and like I mentioned, uh, corporate boards have to increase interaction and collaboration with management, uh, and they have to increase their coordination, communication, and strategic uh, collaboration. Um, corporate legal and compliance professionals have to train boards in the area of how they're supposed to improve oversight and monitoring functions and basically how they're supposed to carry out their duties. Uh, that it's not just, hey, raising money and talking about the business uh, and how do we uh, make important you know, or approve business strategic decisions. Um, another important area is the development and attraction of human talent. Corporate boards often ignore human capital issues such as diversity, talent, skill sets, and other important factors to make sure that their employee population has the necessary skill sets to do to launch whatever or direct the company into whatever strategic area they want to go. And board uh, skill sets are often narrow as well. Um, and so, like I said, a board consisting of former CEOs and finance experts who are, you know, over 70 years old and uh, sitting, resting on their laurels, is a recipe for narrow thinking and dampened uh, innovation. Corporate boards also have to become better time managers. As responsibilities and information increase, boards have to allocate time efficiently to address all outstanding risks. To further that, they should review their committee structure. Instead of a traditional set of committees uh, of audit, uh, nominations, uh, and, and the, the standard set of uh, committees, companies should increase specialized committees as a way to then leverage the resources and activities. Board technology and information reporting has to improve, improve and technology chain has changes have had a significant impact on our economy, our society, political change, and information dissemination, and board members have to educate themselves on technology the use of the technology for themselves, and the important impact, obviously, it's having in the marketplace. And that ultimately leads to improvement and improved focus on risk management. And that's one trend we're definitely seeing, more focus on risk management. Obviously, after COVID, this will become even more important because it's become a more complex and difficult challenge that can quickly, as we saw in COVID, take over uh, a business as operations or have such a dramatic impact. So board members have to demand and improve uh, information from management on risks, including enterprise risks, legal and compliance risks, and other disruptions. Boards cannot just rely on a CEO and a CFO to identify these risks using traditional uh, methods uh, heretofore. And they have to uh, need to hear from independent voices, even outside the company, external consultants, uh, and hear about uh, internal audit from internal audit, ethics and compliance as well on this important issue. Uh, we may see changes in the quarterly meeting structure, uh, which would be great to include off-quarter business reviews, strategy reviews. Uh, I've seen this happen occasionally where a board may meet uh, you know, in an off month and uh, focus on one particular business and hear about it. Such a board procedure allows the board to examine issues in greater detail and understanding. Um, 
In this air, in the area of compliance, a large number of corporate board members blindly believe they have a quote-unquote ethical culture and a speak-up culture without any information or data to confirm these conclusions. Once we train the board and show the board what kind of information they need to verify and confirm what their culture looks like and manage their culture and manage their speak-up uh, systems, then we start to see real change. So, uh, board members are also slowly considering how to incentivize senior management to commit to ethics and compliance issues, and this is a trend that could result in increased uh, focus on incentives and senior management ownership of ethics and compliance. So finally, to try to wrap all this up, let me give you what I consider the top 10 essential steps to take now uh, to advance corporate board governance. And uh, we all know that federal prosecutors are watching corporate boards, uh, and in particular focus on boards when malfeasance occurs. Regulators are focusing uh, on this important issue of board governance, and shareholders are ready to file derivative suits at the drop of a hat when corporate misconduct occurs. Here's my list of the top 10 essential steps. One. Train the board members on oversight responsibilities. Most board members do not really know how to conduct oversight and monitoring of uh, business activities. I'm not saying they're lazy, but they need to be trained on how to execute their roles and responsibilities. Just because a, a board member was a financial wizard in a past career does not mean the bo board member knows how to execute their, respons their respective responsibilities as a board member. CCOs should be involved in this training mis mission, and such training should cover the full range of issues and strategic decisions and responsibilities. Number two, expand the voices from senior management. Board members regularly hear from the CEO and CFO. Board members need to hear from more senior managers and even lower level managers, depending on the subject. CEOs and CFO together may filter information and restrict access to a more comprehensive range of information needed by the board to provide uh, that direction. Three, increase diversity on the board. Their corporate boards are moving way too slow when it comes to promote ethnic and gender diversity. In the absence of real dedication to this mission, corporate boards are often disconnected from important viewpoints and diverse perspectives. Decision-making suffers from a lack of insights, new ideas, and challenges to old ways of thinking. Four, add new professional skill sets to the board. Corporate boards are filled with prior executives and financial professionals. What a limited pool from which to hear. What is needed is expansion of board members to include expertise in other areas, including ethics and compliance, human resources, information technology, talent development, international business experience, salespeople, and other areas that may be relevant to a specific business. Five, recruit new board members from outside the usual suspects. Corporate boards suffer from a recruitment pool that is usually limited to who do you know. Word of mouth usually restricts consideration for candidates outside the usual pool of possibilities. Replacing a board member creates an opportunity to advance diversity and include new professionals outside the typical biography. Six, increase focus and understanding on risk management. 
Corporate boards often do not have much expertise on risk management. As companies face a growing number of risks, they have to devote more time to identifying, mitigating, and monitoring such risks. Corporate boards often wish to focus only on financial results and basic business strategies. Risk management has to include enterprise risks, legal and compliance risks, and mitigation strategies and planning. Seven, improve information and data presented to the board. I often hear complaints from board members that they receive too much information. That is unfortunate and reveals either that board members' expectations for their responsibilities are inaccurate or that the information they are receiving is not relevant to their responsibilities. This is an important issue and information has to be tied directly to board responsibilities, oversight functions, and training so that the board receives the information they need to carry out their duties. Eight, term limits on board members. The average age of a board member is over 70 years old. That is too old. I'm saying that despite the fact that I'm 62. I can say that for a few more years, but listen, term limits is a way to ensure corporate board members are vigorous and committed to their role. I often hear about the desire of a board chairman to replace some of the older, longer-serving members who may be less dedicated to the board mission. A term limit requirement gives the chairperson a way to replace board members as needed to reinvigorate the board's performance. Nine, increase the number of board committees. Board productivity can be increased by delegating issues to committees. Most boards have a compensation, nomination, and audit committee. To leverage existing resources, boards should create a separate ethics and compliance committee and a separate risk committee. For regulated food or energy companies, it would be advisable to create a specific safety committee. The additional committees can cover more specific issues and then bring important issues to the full board's attention. Ten, and finally, annual self-evaluations. Corporate boards are usually weak in conducting productive self-evaluations. If appropriate, the board may want to conduct board evaluations every three years and maintain a self-evaluation procedure each year. The chair of the board has to devote time to this process, design appropriate measures, and solicit robust self-evaluation on strengths and weaknesses of board performance. Annual evaluations should include diversity, skills competencies, motivations, dedication, and board dynamics and collaboration, that there's discussion, robust discussion, that all board members are participating. Okay, folks, that's uh, my top 10. Uh, and uh, I know this is a little longer than usual, but uh, I did want to get through some of the important sort of board trends. Um, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Oh
somewhere down the road away. You'll think of me and wonder where I am these days. Maybe somewhere down the road when somebody plays. Purple haze. Well, it's all right. Even when push comes to shove. Well, it's all right. If you got someone to love. Well, it's all right. Everything will work out fine. Well, it's all right. We're going to the end of the line. Don't have to be ashamed of the car I drive. I'm just glad to be here, happy to feel that. And it don't matter if you're by my side. I'm satisfied. Well, it's all. 